Welcome to the second episode of the Comparative Podcast. Um, today we're just talking about um, Photograph 51 by Anna Ziegler and to help you um, read the play over the school holidays after you've read the Penelope ad or maybe you're reading this first. And today I'm joined by Miss Ravi. Hello. Okay. So let's start with this play, Miss Ravi. Yes. Um, what are some things you think that students should be looking out for as they're reading the play? So I think the first thing that's really important, especially when we're comparing it to the Penelope ad, is the way the story is told and whose voice um, this entire play is from. So how many, like what are the multiple narratives that we have? What are the multiple voices that we hear? Is it actually, in fact, Rosalind's voice that we hear? Um, where do we think it is her voice and not her voice? So I think that would be my first um, thing that I would look out for in the narrative is whose voice is this told? So, yeah, if we look at this text on its own um, and if we just ignore the Penelope ad for a moment, I think that's really important to kind of think about um, what kind of role does Rosalind actually play um, within the play and whose story are we listening to? Um, and some of the things that you might want to look at, um, if you've listened to the other podcast, you notice that they would have, um, and there's an epigraph in a Penelope ad, and there's an epigraph here as well. Um, one is by Anne Patchett, who's an author, who, and they've no, listed her as the author for Run, um, which looks at um, how two um, boys grow up um, a block apart and explores privilege and poverty, and I think that might be an interesting orientation to kind of look at kind of what is what sort of discriminations that happen within this um, text. Um, and then we've got one from um, Horace Judson, who I'm not too familiar with as well. But, you know, I would spend time unpacking, like, what, how does Ziegler sort of orientate us to um, read this text by putting this at the front of the play? That's something I would um, watch out for. Um, now, Miss Ravi and I saw this play last year um, by MTC when we were allowed to go into theatres. Um, it feels like such a <laughs> historical times. historical event there. Yes. What is one of the things that stood out for you while while you're watching that would help you read the play now? Do you think? Um, I think the fluidity of it. So the fact that this play doesn't really have any kind of specific scenes or acts as such seeing that play out on stage as in terms of like different monologues and kind of dream sequences was really interesting to look at um, and, and it just seemed like things were timeless and I think I've mentioned this before with the English stuff the set of the play was round and they were always the characters were always running around this circle either forwards or backwards and to me it always seemed like um, they were running against time and we know that is mentioned a couple of times within the play itself when I think Watson says that this is a race we have to be better whereas Rosalind is all about finding this, the truth within this all whereas everyone else is looking for the fame and the prestige that comes with it so they're just racing against time so that's what I think I took from it mm, the most. Mm. Now you can't, you know, you as a student can't talk about the actual visual performance of it. Mm. We just have to look at the um, text of the play. Um, so I think one of the things that is important to kind of think that, I agree with Ravi, that I think time is really important. Mm. Um, and we can see, and when we look, and I think that's important, especially at the end. 
um, because, you know, part of this play is about, I think there's a level of regret. Mm, um, and yes. when we watched it, they over, I think they overemphasized the romance. Oh, 100%. And, you know, it is evident in there. There is a mm. degree of um, admiration from Rosalind, from yes. Wilkins. Um, but how important that is to the narrative, I think mm-hmm. that's up to the students to decide. Yes. Um, especially once they've looked at the Penelope ad, you know, how much does love actually mm. play within these stories? Yes. I think one of the things that stood out for me is that <clears throat> idea that this is doesn't is not a traditional play. It is definitely a contemporary play in the sense that there's no acts or scenes. It is yes. continuous. And I think in one of the older versions of Photograph 51, Anna Ziegler gives some stage directions on how to um, read the text. Um, and thinking about the pace and the rhythm of it, and I think that feeds into um, that idea of um, time again, about how fast things are happening. And mm. I think I think students should kind of work out where the beats are in this play. And they say beat. Now, when you say beat in a play, it's, it means pause. Um, and there aren't actually many pauses in the play. No. It just keeps going. Mm-hmm. It goes, goes, goes. And I think that, that that is a kind of parallel for sort of the scientific race that, are, that they are in. Um, and the character of Rosalind, to me, when we watched it, is characterised to be quite unlikable. Yes, but I felt... I thought that was kind of justified in terms of the fact that we're actually seeing it from these males' perspective who... To me, the reason why they're telling this story is, especially from Wilkins' point of view, is to redeem himself because of the guilt, as you mentioned, and the regret that he feels. And so as a result, by showing their story of, oh, Rosalind is this mean person who's not very cooperative and she ha- she's either too busy with um, work itself or she's too busy skiing in the Alps or whatever, by creating that image of her, it kind of isolates her from the rest of them and it makes her look... Like, you don't want to, I guess, sympathise with her as much. You sympathise more with the men, mm. in a way. And I think that was the purpose of constructing it in that manner. Yeah, I think so. And I think the, I think that's something for the students as well to pick up is cooperation and collaboration. Mm. Um, and I think that's something I didn't really talk about last year. Uh, but when I think about the Penelope ad as well, um, I think that idea of cooperation and collaboration. Yeah. But then to also that idea that feeds into the idea of betrayal and regret. And I think... Um, and I think the students, even though we're saying it's Wilkins' story now, Miss Moravi and I, our, our lens is marred by having gone to see the play. Yes, um, it's and, our interpretation. And it's very interesting the way that the play is done and the visualisation of DNA. Like, mm. I found that very interesting, building it, the, the blocks live on stage. And coming and the, together at the end. Yes, and coming yes. together at the end. And, you know, and that image of Rosalind still working mm-hmm. meticulously in the background um, and I think that status as a woman in science is mm-hmm. very interesting in this. And you know, yes. we that, love that exchange between Rosalind and Wilkins of call me Dr. Fr- like, don't call me Dr. Yes. Don't miss up, it's Dr. Wilkins, not Mr. Wilkins. And yes. she says the same thing, but it's ignored. It's just Miss Franklin. Yeah, Miss Franklin. And I, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, one of the other things about Photograph 51 is that we sort of have this comic relief in her sidekick. and <laughs> Gosling. Gosling. And... You know, and the, also that love affair with that board, the with Casper. Casper, yes. Um, and I think students need to kind of think about how they want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it obviously, I think for me, Ziegler is trying to, um, I think it's kind of clumsily sort of dealt with, but mm. like trying to humanise her. Yes. Um, because in a way, Ziegler's story, I feel like, even though it's 
a feminist revisionist history play Mm -hmm. there's elements of it where she's also undercutting Rosalind I think yeah and I think that is true in terms of the romance of it bringing that in and showing her that there's not much substance to Rosalind like yes she's working but we can only make this interesting if we bring, bring in a love interest or something yeah, I agree. I think one of the... Ziegler, if, just to let preview my class and any other year 12s that talk to me about this, one of the interviews with Ziegler talks about how this is a love story. And I just think oh, it's I such disagree. a... I It's such a reductive view, I think, of yes. um, Rosalind's achievements and mm-hmm. the way that she... And obviously you can't get the Nobel Prize once you're dead. Um, but it's quite sad that they couldn't um, mm-hmm. attribute this to her. And as we know, Watson and Crick, I forget which one is quite the um, evolutionary racist. Yes. Um, and the yet fact- he's celebrated and she, mm. you know, and, and, this, and there's not many works about Rosalind out there and no. this sort of reimagining of what happened on that day is a li- like you know there are some depths to the character, but I do think that sometimes it, it, it does verge on the on the on the sexist side that she you know, mm-hmm. but I guess that's the maybe the reality of the fifties she's trying to paint. Yes, because another thing is in terms of the sexism is that I think what I found most infuriating reading this um, is that they don't actually know that they're being misogynistic at all, mm-hmm. and they think the only. Um, discrimination that they can label that they're acting towards her is her being a Jew. They don't actually explicitly say it's because she's a woman until the very end, Mm. I think, when they say, oh, she should have been born a different time, she should have been a woman. But before that, they never really address her as being female. They Mm. just say that she's like this because she's Jewish, which I found very interesting because I think that is then for the reader to read between the lines to see this is how they're acting and they don't even realise mm. it. So that's what I picked up from that. And Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things picking up on the, the men in this play mm. um, is that they do kind of function a little bit like a Greek chorus now in, in terms yes. of a theatrical style and mm-hmm. play. Um, and I think it's it's important for the students for both the Penelope Piata and Photograph 51 to go away and, and look up the tradition of Greek plays. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it features quite a lot in here, even with the idea of, um, like, in Much Ado About Nothing, we talked a lot about masks and the masks that happen in society. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one of the conventions of Greek theatre. Now, do not write this in your essays, but it's good to just think about what they're trying to hide, you know. Mm-hmm. I think in the Penelope, there's things that aren't being told. Mm-hmm. And in Photograph 51, there are things that aren't being told as yes. well. And I think that deceit and lies the invisible because she mentions Mm. that we're trying to make the invisible visible and I think that to me is part of the purpose of the Mm. play we're trying to look through it through a microscopic lens I suppose and we're trying to see what hasn't been mentioned exactly and I think with the tradition of plays a stage is that liminal space Mm -hmm. for debate and discussion so I think thinking because this is made this is written in 2002 Eight, ten, something recent. Yes, it is. Two thousand and fifteen. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> you can look that up. But it's a it's a recent play, and we know why do we need to hear this story? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important because I think Penelope Piat is also quite. 2008. It is quite recent as well, yeah. So I think why this story is important, I mm-hmm. would I would be if I was a student thinking about um, 
reading this and obviously photograph 51 is much easier to read than yes. um, it's shorter mm -hmm. Um, so I think one of the things I would do, I've asked my class that we're going to act this out in class. And mm -hmm. the reason I want to act it out, and I think I think a lot of the, the staff members will end up putting parts of this, asking you to perform mm -hmm. parts of it, is because I think you need to kind of think about how that, when you're annotating your, your, your play, what are those kind of reactions they're getting? And mm -hmm. the reason we want to put that is that how, what's, how does the speed of speech and the rhythm of speech sort of affect the way we sort of read this play because yeah. you can't really write about it, about acting it, because it's not a drama or theatre studies mm -hmm. thing, but I think it'll help you memorise quotes and significant moments if you are able to act it out with your friends mm -hmm. and stage it and kind of um, do it that way. Just with, like, Much Ado About Nothing, there are two plays, mm -hmm. and the, I think the most logical thing is to sort of act things out and try to think about how is this being characterised yes. and why. And I think it's really important um, what you said before, Mr. Wu, the fact that their reaction, like when you're acting it out, the audience reaction, how you react to the play and what is being performed to you is equally valid. Um, because reading the things that these men have said, like, yes, it's hurtful, but then I remember when I think Watson says the things like, oh, she should tie her hair like this or she should maybe take off her glasses. And that is so much more infuriating when you're seeing that being performed mm. right in front of your eyes and you can feel the intensity of it or even like the characterization of Watson. From the page, yes, he's kind of arrogant and all, but then on stage he was very hyper and extremely um, intense. Um, and I think that's a really interesting contrast to someone like Rosalind because Watson is held at the same level as Crick and Casper and Wilkins, even though he's younger and less experienced. Mm. Whereas we have Rosalind, who is more credible than him, and yet she is considered inferior. Mm. And that starts with the calling her Miss Franklin. Mm. And I think um, all the last bits, because we're just this is just quick podcast. I think one of the things that we can think about is um, the symbolism of DNA and mm. the double helix, and sort of the um, for those of you who do biology, the way DNA unwinds and um, replicates and unpacks. You know, and I think. I think there is that metaphor um, throughout here about that double helix. So I think I would go, I would go away and research a lot of the context around the DNA race and work mm -hmm. out what parts have been fictionalized and which parts are real. Yes. Um, because you know the American Watson, he, uh, if you have read anything about him in the past few years, mm -hmm. you'd realize that he is very racist. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and he uses his stance to be racist. So I, I'm kind of interested as to how Ziegler wants to portray that American, because yeah. he is quite obnoxious in the play when you watch him. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's all I, I think there's a lot there for you to think about um, in terms of reading the play. And remember, there's no acts or scenes. And I think use your much ado about nothing knowledge. You know, yes, nothing absolutely. is broken up. It is just one continuous narrative, and mm -hmm. there was no interval for this. No, there wasn't. Um, and I think that's also, and then we were sitting there for two hours watching. It. <laughs> it was, so long. was it two? No, it was only an hour. It was only an it hour. Felt so it felt longer. It felt longer. It's a very dramatic play. It is. Um, do you have anything else to add, Miss Ravi? Um, in terms of what you were saying, Mister Woon, of noticed the fact that there are no acts. I think it would be really good for you. Like in Much Ado, we talked about how the females were on stage with the males, but then how much dialogue did they actually have? And I think it would be interesting for the kids 
to look at Ro is Rosalind on stage when the other characters are speaking and when is she interrupted because she's mm -hmm. continuously interrupted when she is about to begin to tell her story or her side. And the only time I think personally we only see Rosalind's voice is maybe through the letter exchange with Casper. Um, but yeah, again, to the Year 12 students, I think it would be really interesting for you to look at the staging of it and um, when is Rosalind interrupted and why is she interrupted on mm. in those certain mm. moments. And I think like the Penelope ad, you can probably uh, track more than one narrative in this play. Yes, absolutely. So enjoy reading this. Um, as I said in my last one, if you're listening from my class... I do expect you to be an expert in Penelope Ad and to know this play so that we mm -hmm. can do some interesting things when we come back. Um, because if you had, if you don't read it before you come into class, you're going to be behind the eight ball and oh, we don't yes. have much time for this task. Okay, thank you. Thank you.